Ah, yes, the time has finally arrived once again. This is the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud partner of the Chicago Cubs and the only place to get your Cubs debit card. Get yours today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Now, I'll be keeping this train on the tracks for the next 30 minutes or so. They call me Cole Wright when I say they. I'm not really too sure who I'm referring to. But in the meantime, let's bring in today's players, Tony Andraki, digital content manager at Marquee Sports Network, and Bruce Levine, friend of the network, contributor at Marquee Sports Network. Also, plenty to get to today, so let's not waste any time. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a variety of topics, including Major League Baseball's return to play proposal and the counter proposal from the owners. Are the players, are they going to be happy with that? How about the owners? We'll discuss in just a second. And if there is a season in 2020, What's it going to look like? We'll also hear from Mike Napoli as he gets ready for the upcoming season as the Cubs' new quality control coach under David Ross. But in the meantime, let's get back to that proposal and counterproposal. And Bruce, you know, I'll start with you. The players on Sunday night, they said they want the season to be 114 games and get the full bulk of their salary. And the owners, well, as we know, on Monday, they issued their counterproposal more close to 50 games. You think that the players right now are sitting at home on their couches watching Jeff Passan report on ESPN. Are they happy about the news that's, that's, that's rolling around? Well, it it depends on their perspective. Some of the older players who've been around and understand what uh, the negotiations are all about, understands that this is just another part of the negotiations. But uh, the, the, the younger players might say, Hey, they're just trying to screw us out of our money again. They're only going to give us one-third of the money uh, involved when we should be getting a half because we're going to play a half of a season. So uh, what the the owners are telling the players right now is, okay, we'll we'll have it your way. We'll pay you your full prorated amount, but it's going to be for less games. So you're going to end up with about a third of your money. And uh, we're going to be able to get the regular season out of the way because there's no money for us to be made for for us to make there, and therefore we'll get on to hopefully an expanded playoff where we get more money, and uh, you know we're going to even our side out. Well, you'll even your side out, and that will be the season. So it, it's going to be an interesting uh, you know next couple of days to see a response. I would say, and I think this is important to keep in mind, that the quick response by the owners is something that baseball fans should feel really good about and feel that there is a good possibility that something can be done here in the next three or four days because now you're seeing quick responses. You're getting down to the nitty-gritty, and hopefully there'll be a deal done here in the next two or three days, and we'll hear what the baseball season will be all about. Yeah, I mean, it, it 50 games or 60 games, even if that's what it is, it, that's not what anybody signed up for. That's not what anybody wanted, but it's 50 more games than we have at this current moment, and I, it's it's better, you know. It's it's more of the world being normal and and you know right again and uh, having baseball played on day in day out for at least two months. That's that's what we want to see. That's what players want to see and owners want to see and everybody, fans, whoever. So it's definitely a win. It's definitely good news because it's closer to what you just mentioned, Bruce, to to baseball coming back to this return to play negotiations. Actually, you know getting a resolution in there. So I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I still think ultimately ending it, you know, 80 to 82 games would be perfect, but I, 50 games is certainly better than nothing. That's the point here that uh, Tony just made. Will the players think it's serious? And more importantly, will the fans take it seriously of 50 or 60 games, or will they not look at it as a regular baseball season? 
and pay more attention to the NBA and the NHL. Now, that is going to be going head-to-head against the baseball season here. So uh, I, I think, as Tony said, closer to the 80-game thing is exactly what uh, what should be the right number. But the owners are obviously saying, we're not going to have the money to pay you prorated amount for 80 days. For 60 days, we think we can get it done because we'll have the expanded playoffs and the money will be made there. Now, Bruce, being that 2020 will be an anomaly of a season, do you think that fans really will be less interested because the end game won't be the same as it has been in years past? Well, it's going to be more exciting in some ways because, uh, you know, every game is going to count. A a six or seven game winning or losing streak is going to be something really, really important and could really change the season. Um, You know, if you get down seven or eight games in your division, with only 50 or 60 to play, you know, you, you've got a big problem. However, the expansion of 14 uh, teams to the usual 10, uh, that's still going to allow you some time to catch up. So, um, you know, maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle here and that uh, the shortened season is just something that will uh, capture the baseball fans' attention a little bit better than the 162 has been doing lately. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be really fun to see the statistics from a 50-game season or team record and so on. It's been made a lot that the Washington Nationals were 19-31 and 31 after 50, 50 games in 2019. Obviously, they turned around and went on to win the World Series, but even a, even with expanded playoffs, I don't know how many 19-31 and 31 teams would be able to make the postseason in this shortened format. But as we were talking on Cubs 360 um, about a week or two ago, who – who might hit 400? Well, if you're only playing four, uh, sorry, 50 games, it's a lot easier to hit 400 or to have uh, a guy come out of nowhere and lead the t- the league in home runs or strikeouts or something like that that you wouldn't have necessarily pegged over a 162 game season. So I'm really looking forward to the statistics from a short season. But again, I mean, who knows? Like if it does end up more in the 82 range, then it'll be a little bit more evened out. Like as they say. Um, you know, it, baseball has a way of like coming back to you and the game coming back to you. So I would really like to see a bigger sample size, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Tony, like like you said, almost every single record that will not be threatened, but that 406 mark from, as we know, Ted Williams, it, it could be in jeopardy with that shortened season. Tony, you make mention of guys needing the time to get ready. I mean, we had the first installment of spring training. Everyone was right on the cusp of 2020 getting underway and then of course we know everything drastically shut down but when you take a look at the guys and how they've been able to stay ready at home how much different will 2020 look not just when the season gets underway but the preparation leading up to yeah it's going to look a lot different I, these guys are they're such creatures of habit I mean look at like John Lester for example or these veteran starting pitchers who they're used to working every five days and Kyle Hendricks has this routine basically down to the minute in between starts. And they're normally, you know, going to be approaching 70 innings or so about this point. And, uh, and that hasn't happened yet. So there, it is very difficult. They've had, the Cubs have have supplied some of the younger players with like apps to work out with their team. Uh, They have been working and in contact with their strength coach. The hitters have been jumping on like zoom calls and so on. And, you know, they've been uh, they've been trying to stay in contact and stay in shape as best they can. But for those guys who really work backwards from a starting date, it's tough because we don't know when that starting date is. So these creatures of habit, the guys who love their routines 
and who know exactly how to get their body in shape at a certain time, they don't know when that time is. So it's, it would be easier if they knew, you know, for sure that by the end of uh, the second week of June, that they would be starting spring training 2.0, that would be a huge help for them, but they just don't know that now. So they're doing the best they can to stay ready. Um, The Cubs have sent equipment out to, to, to help keep guys in shape. But there's also no substitute for for playing competition, for getting your adrenaline pumping, for facing live hitting and live pitchers. Um, so it, it's it's going to be difficult, um, and this whole season itself is going to look very different. Tony talked about guys get, getting ready, getting into their routine, and we know that starting pitchers, Bruce, are very idiosyncratic. Is this something that we need to maybe just put on the back burner and say, I know you guys have your routine, you have all the checkpoints that you usually hit before a season gets underway. However, this year unprecedented times you may have to maybe take a little departure from what you're used to well you know we could see a lot of teams going to the opener okay so uh, tampa is one of those teams that has been uh, tremendously successful using the opener uh, we might see more teams go to that type of uh, uh, pitching uh, yeah the other thing to keep in mind is there will be no minor league feeder system so therefore every team is going to have a taxi squad of somewhere about 25 people 20 to 25. How do they stay ready to come in and go in when you lose players via injury or illness? Uh, So these taxi squads will be playing at other venues in the local areas. For instance, the Cubs are looking at a secondary area to train their players for not only the spring training part, uh, spring training 2.0, but also uh, train them during the regular season. How are these guys going to stay competitive? Will they play a team like the White Sox taxi squads just to uh, stretch out pitchers and have starting pitchers that have enough innings in? It's a very complicated matter because of the fact that there aren't people getting stretched out to five, six, seven innings in a minor league system somewhere and being ready to go. It's going to be a real challenge to keep people on the field and, more importantly, when you have to replace players, will those players be game ready when they come in? Now, Tony, what about the guys who are looking to make a name for themselves in 2020? If they know that some of the big name guys are not going to be there, if you say you're a pitcher and a starter isn't going to report or a reliever or a closer for that matter, they have a perfect opportunity to really cement their legacy. Yeah, there is an opportunity for sure. And uh, Dylan Maples is a great example. We have uh, Lance Brodzowski on our marqueesportsnetwork.com just had a great profile of Maples and and how he can harness his ability and his incredible spin rate to be a weapon in the bullpen. And he doesn't have the normal minor league season, like you guys mentioned, to be able to refine his control or his mechanics. So he, if he doesn't make the quote-unquote opening day bullpen, he'll have to figure it out against hitters some other way, whether that's you know an inter-squad scrimmage or, like Bruce mentioned, playing the, the White Sox um, you know, feeder team or taxi squad or whatever. Um, but there could definitely be an opportunity. And even if guys do play, I mean, somebody's going to get contract COVID at some point. Like I don't know necessarily on the Cubs or if on every team, but it's a very, very real possibility that somebody will if that's the case, they will obviously have to be quarantined for 14 days. So that means that, you know, that could open up spots for players, too, as well, and, and potentially multiple if that happens more than once. So there's a lot of guys that will have to be ready. I Just like Bruce it, it was saying, it is a challenge because I wonder how they're going to be able to stay ready and where that's going to happen. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense for for this feeder team or taxi squad to be in Arizona, even though it's it's easy to socially distance there. 
But if they need the Cubs need somebody very quickly, they need somebody that's close by. And so they need to have, you know, Iowa's up probably even too far away. So if they're they're somewhere in the Chicagoland area uh, where these guys are able to play, to stay in shape, to, to face hitters and, and pitchers and so on, I think that would work out best for both, for all sides. Bruce, what about as we look at 2020, you know, a reduction in the draft all the way down to five rounds. And we've seen, you know, an, an elimination essentially of the minor league system. If you're a youngster coming up and you say, hey, what sport should I play? Should it be football? Should it be basketball? Should it be baseball? They don't really have the option of toiling in obscurity in the minor leagues as they once did, because right now, as it stands, like we said, going to be no minor league seasons and we're not going to see those expanded rosters where guys have the the time to tinker with stuff down on the farm. Well, uh, one area's uh, misfortune can be another area's uh, fortune, and that is you could have more players out of high school going to junior colleges. JUCO systems uh, have been huge from time to time uh, developing young players. Uh, It was big in the 70s and 80s as far as getting uh, players ready uh, out of high school that weren't drafted and becoming more of a, a professional player. Uh, independent baseball could have a big resurgence in the United States. There's a lot of independent teams. Uh, some of them struggle, but now you might be an independent team and uh, have players that have more uh, more more worth to uh, major league teams, that they can be the the area where major league teams go to scout more often to see where players are being developed uh, at that level. So uh, there, there's already been the restructuring. We're going to lose at least 40 minor league teams going into next year. It might be more than that after a complete year of no minor league baseball and some minor league operators not being able to come back at all and uh, be able to make a go of it. So uh, the restructuring of uh, how we develop players, how we draft players, uh, and, and as you said, Cole, most importantly, will young players get even more turned off to baseball and turn to uh, soccer, to basketball, to football as the alternatives uh, like they have over the last 20 or 25 years? Like, Tony, we heard Bruce just touch on the fact that independent leagues, we, you know, they may see a huge uptick in popularity. However, if there's no fans in the stands how are these independent league teams going to make their dough? I mean, are they going to be broadcast on Marquee Sports Network at 7.30 on an August <laughs> afternoon or evening? Are we going to see the Joliet Jackhammers, you know, that's lacing things up on our tube? Or is it going to be a case where, okay, there's no fans in attendance, but we have ways to stream games. We have ways for fans to consume our product. Yeah, I like where your head's at. I mean, we got to get a Schaumburg Boomers game on our air at some point, too. But yeah, there's there's going to be a way hope is not like all hope is not lost for these minor league guys, because if there is no second wave or if it's later on, then there's a way that they can the league can do an Arizona fall league uh, and maybe even have a, another one with like top prospects and then a second fall league with some of the lower level guys or some of the top prospects in each system could be a part of that taxi squad we're talking about, whether that's just guys that are big league ready that can work out and stay ready or guys that are a little further away, but they don't lose that full year of development. So I think that will be really key this year is to see how that develops. Um, You know, obviously there are steps to get to that point, but it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how the Cubs treat Miguel Amaya, for example, or Bradley Marquez, some of their top prospects who weren't expected to make an impact in Chicago at all in 2020, but just to see what their organizational plan will be for some of those guys. 
Bruce, if you're a guy that's on the rise, you know, coming up through the minors and, you know, you've been highly touted over the years, do you tell yourself headed into 2020, all right, you know, this may be my last chance to really make an impact seeing the way that the minor league system is going these days? Well, you know, maybe. I mean, uh, maybe people change their direction. Maybe they give up on their big league careers uh, chances earlier. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's it's there's a lot of unknown going into this. But one thing is for sure, uh, major league teams are telling everybody uh, way before this pandemic, uh, you know, ruined the minor league season and changed the draft that they don't believe that the minor league system, the way it is, is really developing enough players. And, you know, you see the influx uh, over the years now where we're almost at 35% or more of players in the major leagues coming from Latin America. That's a huge amount. Uh, You're not developing players in the United States like you used to. Uh, The the young players, by the time uh, they get through uh, with travel ball and playing 40, 50, 60 games from the time they're 12 until they're 21, they're physically and mentally burnt out. Uh, So some of your best young players are already done. Their careers, they're on their second and third Tommy Johns by the time they go to, uh, by the time they're 22 to 24 years old. Um, So the system, in in a sense, is kind of bankrupt as to developing players in the United States. Going to have to have a, a hard, take a hard look at, how a Major League Baseball might redirect the development of players coming up and whether or not, uh, you know, you're going to see more players from Latin America in baseball in the in the United States for years. Um, Bruce, you know, you talk about the fact that there are such uh, so many players from Latin America that, you know, have have made their way and made their name in Major League Baseball. But the burnout factor doesn't really seem to be there for for those players, guys from Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, for that matter. Well, Tony, why do you think it is that players in, in America, you know, American-born kids that, you know, they played travel ball all summer long. They've stayed in hotels. They've done this. They've done that. And all they've got to do is play baseball. Why is the burnout level so much different here stateside than in other places? Yeah, it's a good question, Cole. I, I don't know for sure. I mean, it, it could just be a simple fact that that it, it's more difficult to make it in baseball. Um, just because there are so many players, as Bruce mentioned, there's so many minor league teams and so many levels of the minor leagues that uh, there are so many players that you're competing against. And the NFL doesn't have that. You know, I mean, there's the Canadian Football League. Obviously, the XFL has tried for a while. And there's practice squads. But it's just not the same. There's not the same pool of player players um you know going head to head so it's it's very difficult it's tough to to make that that last jump but then it's also i think especially for pitchers i mean it's injuries you know that that you could have we look at mark Pryor as a great example i mean he had one of the best arms god-given arms that anybody has ever seen he was this great can't miss prospect and arm injuries were the reason that his career didn't pan out the way anybody thought it would and how many of the mark Pryors have happened before they even made it to the big leagues where you know, they were very promising where they had a great fastball, but they, they couldn't get over some shoulder issues or they had to have a couple of Tommy Johns or something like that. So I, I think there's it's just different than, you know, in other sports because pitchers rely on one limb of their body so much more. So I, I think that probably all comes into into play. And then, you know, these guys, they can you see more 20 and 21 year olds in at the NFL and in the NBA than you do in Major League Baseball. That's changed in the last few years, 
but it's just it's easier to make those leagues quicker if you're the top of the top than it is in baseball. And Cole, uh, you you mentioned, you know, why is it that uh, uh, the there's so many players from Latin America? Well, I think you you look at the Latin American countries and you compare it to the United States of the 40s and 50s, where baseball was king. The other sports were still evolving. Uh, you know, the, the the game of baseball is played, you know, 360, you know, five days a year in those countries because they can. The weather is good all year round. And, uh, you know, they are raised on baseball and that's all they play. So uh, from that perspective, I, I think that's why you see more players coming out of there as well. Here in the United States, uh, there are so many other choices now. Uh, there are spo- a lot of athletic kids that that don't uh, go very far with sports because there's there's so many other interests and so many other things to do uh, technology wise. So there there's been a vast uh, you know pivot for people that used to uh, play baseball that now are uh, doing other sports and other things in the United States. Yeah, so many different choices for the youth of today when it comes to organized sports. But we here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast we're partial. To baseball and hopefully the youth of America will be as well as these days, weeks, months, and years unfold. Now, still more to get to right here on this Cubs Weekly Podcast. Uh, right around the corner, we're going to chit-chat with Mike Napoli. He's telling us all about his new role on David Ross's squad. He's the QC coach, quality control, and he's bringing plenty of quality right here on the pod. Let Marquee Sports Network deliver fresh baseball news and analysis with Cubs 360 Daily. We're pulling together the most knowledgeable voices coming to you daily from their home to yours. Cubs 360 Daily, each weeknight at 7.30, proudly presented by Miller Lite. Joining Len and I, it's Mike Napoli, the Cubs' new quality control coach. And Mike, the beard looks gorgeous. The the shag in the back, it's impeccable. But I want to know first things first, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know what, uh... I actually live by Rizzo, so we've been uh, working out together, um, you know, staying in shape. And uh, he's actually getting me in some pretty good shape. You know, I took about two years off and, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, getting back into shape and, uh, you know, acting like I'm training to, to play. Uh, we're going to ask you how your bat's feeling right about now in just a little bit. But until then, you know, over your 12-year career, you're an all-star, a World Series champion. But I really want to know what led you to coaching? Uh, to be honest, man, I want to, I want to manage one day, you know, I want to be able to, uh, you know, lead and, and, uh, you know, be able to try to win a championship at at the head. So, um, I think this is the first step. I got a good opportunity, you know, obviously with the Cubs to, um, you know, try to further myself into that, to kind of feel my way through to try to see how it is and, and, uh, just try to help out. Mike, you played for some really good managers, Ron Washington, Mike Sosha back in the day, uh, Terry Francona. Uh, I know they're kind of like your kids, right? But I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, did you have a favorite? <laughs> Man, I mean, that's, I love them all. You know, I had such great uh, relationships with uh, my managers. And, uh, you know, I got to say, though, uh, Tito uh, probably wins it for me. Um, you know, we have a really uh, close relationship, you know, when I got to that year with him in Cleveland, it was uh, some different, you know, it's, we, we clicked together, um, same personalities. Uh, we believed in the same things, you know, on field. It's, uh, you know, we had such a great relationship. You know, I swear I was in his office every day playing cribbage with him, uh, having a good time. And, uh, you know, he's just fun to play for. 
Now, Mike, you're on the staff this season as the quality control coach. Now, I envision you putting little slips of paper in the back pocket of guys' pants saying that these pants have been expected by Mike Napoli. But what does that job actually entail? You know what? I didn't, I didn't really know at first, but, you know, getting in there in spring training, it was, uh, it was fun for me. I was still trying to feel my way out, you know, coming into an organization that, you know, I don't know too many people, um, but David Ross and, and Lester and stuff, so. Um, you know, just going there and, and uh, you know, trying to open up to, to everybody, letting everybody know that, you know, I'm an open book. You know, I'll talk about baseball all day, off the field, you know, stuff all day. When I played the game, I wanted to be an all-around baseball player. I wanted to do it on a defense, offensive side, on the bases. Any way I could help the team win, I wanted to do it. And inches can, can lose your game. It can win you a game. So, I mean, the little things matter in this game. All right, Mike, you're down there in Florida. You said you've had a chance to get some swings in with Anthony Rizzo. Now, in your final season, 29 home runs, which puts you in some elite company, David Ortiz, Ted Williams, just to name a few. So I, I want to ask, do you still have some of that uh, some of that pop left in the stick? <laughs> I got some pop for sure, but I, I don't think I have the grind in me to, to go through what these guys go through. And it's uh, it's such a grind on a, on a daily basis, mentally, um, physically, but uh, – no, you know, I've really been enjoying getting into shape, man. Rizzo, he's he's a monster right now. He's working out. He's He looks really healthy and, and uh, strong. So I'm excited to see him go to work, and, and uh, I'll be happy uh, on the bench, you know, rooting these guys on. If the Cubs are able to hoist that commissioner's trophy this year, I think it's safe to say party at Napoli's. Mike Napoli, the Cubs' new quality yeah. control coach. Thanks so much for joining Len and I here today on Cubs 360, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Man. I'll be safe, and I'll hopefully see you guys soon. Always a good time when Mike Napoli stops by. And, Mike, there's an open invitation for you here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast as well as Cubs 360. Hoping to take you up on that sooner rather than later. Now, before we get out of here, we're going to readdress baseball and its return-to-play proposal because we heard the initial proposal from the MLBPA, and then on Monday we heard the owner's counter-proposal so, Bruce, what do you say? 50 games, 60 games, 114 games? E either way, you slice it. How close are we to getting baseball back in 2020? Well, I, I think there's a deal to be made, and, and that's the bright spot. Uh, you know, there's quick response now, quicker response. That's the thing we all want to keep our uh, mind focused on here, not uh, that everything's locked and is, is etched in stone uh, because we heard about an offer or not. So from that perspective, you know, again, uh, quick responses, getting down to the nitty gritty, figuring out the dollars and cents, and then figuring out what the schedule is going to be. That should be done here by the end of this week. I think uh, they have to have quick responses to each other. And uh, this, is a, a, this is a finger pointed in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. I, it definitely looks baseball is closer to returning now than it has been really at any point since this shutdown happened because of the coronavirus. So it's, it's absolutely a step in the right direction. And like we were saying before, I mean, 50 games of baseball is 50 more than we got at the moment. So uh, I do remain hopeful and expect that by the end of this week, we're going to be looking at more news about how baseball plans to come back and kick their spring training 2.0 off. So it, that may be putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but that's, that's where I'm looking at it. glass half full right now. Well, hopefully this time next week, as we get ready to bring you another Cubs Weekly Podcast, we will have the season in place. And all we have to do 
is figure out how we're going to get there so we can cover that thing. And in the meantime, this has been the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. And remember to download and subscribe to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to listen to our Cubs Weekly Podcast. So for Tony Andracki and Bruce Levine, I'm Cole Wright. We'll see you next time, gang.